welcome to Forever Canon, <laughs> the podcast where we talk about our favorite Star Wars books and where we've been and where we're starting. I'm Justin. I'm Tim. And this week on Forever Canon, we start a brand new book. How yeah, many books do. is this? 21. Podcast book number 21. Dark Tide 2. Ruin, a much more optimistic title than the last one of Onslaught. <laughs> Not really. But this week we're going to start with chapters one through four of a brand new book. Mm-hmm. The first time we've ever read the same author two books in a row. The first time we've ever read two books in a row that are a cohesive story by one person yeah on the podcast in our 21st book (laughs) oh boy ready for a ride because you know like okay so like through the 90s and stuff it was all like hey you get a trilogy and you get a duology individual authors right Mm -hmm. and then in the mid 2000s when fate of the jedi and legacy of the force are coming out they switched to this model of three authors triple trilogy Make it a, 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 a like uh, like what George Lucas always wanted the movies to be. Mm-hmm. Three for the prequels, three for the meat, three for the epilogue. We're going to do that. And so we've read all these books that have just been like, this person, next, this person, next, come back around to you, next, next. Like everybody was just taking turns back and forth. Yeah. And there was a lot of dropping things in between stories yeah particularly what like that little girl at zion that's the first one that i thought yeah like that one was very egregious because it was a big deal anyways anyways whatever we're not talking about that tim no no we're talking about dark tide to ruin but first bum 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 previously on forever canon we talked about dark tide one onslaught all the way from beginning to end and don't you know we had things to say about it leading us in today Mm -hmm. where we start with chapter one and we start with our brand new mysterious villain from the epilogue of dark tide one the character the yuzhan vong shadow shy who we hadn't heard a word (laughs) of in 36 chapters previously but we start with his name the first two words of this book are shadow shy and he's wearing the quote, cognition hood of his ship, quote, legacy of torment. And quote, he says, this is what it feels like to be a God. Yeah. Immediate blasphemy, which is hilarious because last time we seen this guy, he was like, look at all these blaspheming infidels that I'm going to murder right away. He's like, ah, I feel like a God. And then he's like, nope, I didn't mean it like that though. And I know that the warrior God, Yun Yamka would definitely forgive me in my moment of hubris. Yeah, he did, He does uh, give himself a little shit right away. Yeah, but he doesn't like cut himself or break any bones or anything. So not too bad of a transgression, I guess. Mm-hmm. But to the point, we start diving into Yuzhan Vong lore and terms and technology Right away, at the beginning of this book. What were we just complaining about in the last episode, wrapping up that last book? The Vong were like a faceless horde. Yeah. And I kind of, I did some more thinking about that. 
And I wonder if it has anything to do with the writing and publishing schedule where like Michael A. Stackpole had to have the first book written and, and in submitted before he got to know the depth of detail or specifics of R.A. Salvatore's Vector Prime. Probably. Which it's... is why, where you would then make the decision to be like, they're really scary and there's gross stuff. I know all that, but I'm not going to talk about a specific person at all because I don't want to betray anything wrong about the culture or the values or the behavior or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And then maybe they tag that epilogue on after you've already submitted the manuscript, whatever. I don't know. Yeah. But Dark Tide 2 starts right away with depth mm-hmm. of the villains that we got none of yeah. in Dark Tide 1. And I'm into it. This guy, Shadow Shai, is that Dubrillian? This feeling like a god man who can sense the entire space around his ship by putting a sticky helmet on with an umbilical cord? Yeah, he like plugs himself into ship sensors, essentially. He becomes the ship's senses. Yeah, he gets to see and feel what the ship would be feeling. Yeah. And then he starts talking to himself, or thinking to himself, reiterating for us, the audience, in the first chapter of this book, what's happening? And why are, who are these people and why are they here? He starts thinking to himself, this whole invasion is based on, based on (laughs) priests' prophecies for their, quote, new home. What happened to your old home? Why do you need a new home? Yeah, the only thing we know is that there was a a big war at one point. Yeah, there's some sort of disagreement (laughs) that has led now to they need a new home. They destroyed their planet. (laughs) <laughs> don't we all but where was all of this villain depth in part one yeah it's based on the prophecy of the priests of the upper class and the intendants and there's all the case systems and he like just through his own thoughts and monologuing or whatever like he just puts so much enriching detail into the Yuzhan Vong that was sorely missing from the last book so this book is way better already <laughs> it's already better it's more fun he says other things like, the Yuzhan Vong have been scouting this galaxy for 50 years. We were wondering that before. Yeah. How long have they been here? We found that mummy guy at Bimil. And we are like, what? How long have you been here for to be a mummy? Turns out 50 years. He was one turns of the advanced scouts. Turns out he was Shadao Shai's grandfather, actually. And the other two Vong that were there are his cousins. Because we run the Yuzhan Vong on a family clan sort of society. Yeah. Right? I don't know what the specific word would would be for that in in oh, I can't in in professional speak. <laughs> in academic speak. I don't know what you call that, but they're based on glory to the family and 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 uh your station is handed down. Yeah. Through uh through tradition of being born into family. You are that family. You earn all their, uh, I can't talk or think all their success and gratitude that they've uh, previously accumulated is then given to you when you're born. And you're like, I am this family and we must all bring glory to our family, which brings glory to the Vong as a whole. And yada, 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 yada. Yeah. Like the, like the chist kind of do the chist setup. Well, like kind of like that. So many, you know, um, I don't know. So many societies. <laughs> it's just, it, what what has your family proven to be worth over time? That's that's where you are in our ranking system mm-hmm. in society. <laughs> so be it. But 
I thought that was a cool connection, although horrendously retroactive. It could have just been there in the last book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he's like, yeah, those two warriors that got killed on Bamil, those were my cousins. And he's like, shame on them for being killed by a Jedi. He's like, that mummy that was there, that was my great-grandfather or something. And he's like... It related. And, ah, we didn't recover his body, so shame on my family. It's just... Cool. 50 years they've been in this galaxy. So, looking at the timeline in the front of the book, this story takes place uh, 25 years after A New Hope. Mm-hmm. And so, 25 years before A New Hope... Puts us right in between Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. So before the Clone War started, the Yuuzhan Vong had arrived in the galaxy scouting out their new home. That's kind of creepy, right? <laughs> yeah. That's freaky to think about. Of course, we've never heard of them until now. <laughs> well, no, secret mission. But as you do with a secret mission, exactly. <laughs> they know what they're doing. They've been scouting for 50 years. They've been planning. Speaking of planning for 50 years... Shadow Shai hates Naminor. Yes. Because he's supposed to be a scout, not a warrior. You're not of the warrior class, and he attacked too soon. And now Shadow Shai has to clean up all his messes along the way, right? Yeah, because they weren't supposed to be found out yet. Naminor jumped the gun. And he kind of had to because yeah. of, you know, Jedi. <laughs> Jedi mucking up the plans as they always do. They ended up finding out what was going on at Helska. Mm-hmm. Four. <laughs> and they're... What are you supposed to do? We got to try to protect this world brain. Is that what it was called? Uh, we got to try to protect the Yamask under the ice. Yeah. And then through reverse heat waves, we'll blow up this ice cube planet. <laughs> I still don't get it. No. <laughs> but anyways, we're re- we're retroactively connecting, retconning. Come on, people. All these things between books now. Mm-hmm. You know, like, ah, well. Everybody you saw in the last book was my family. And I'm mad about everything that happened in the first book. This is this guy's in charge now, right? <laughs> He's our big bad villain of this whole book, I would assume. We, the book starts with his name. For yeah, he's, he's got a name. That, that means he's going to have something to do. Nobody had a name in the last book. No bad guys. Nope. 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 We get lots of Vong lore here, like I said. Talks about Yun Yamka, the Slayer God. Uh, the whole thing about the priests. There's an intendant class. The whole case system. Uh, he calls something. He says something about Naminor. We'll see what happens to you the next time you come to, quote, the changing. What the hell does that mean? I uh, yeah, I don't know. These people are freaks, man. It has. I, I'm I'm assuming it has something to do because. Um, Shy here, he has all these weird, like, barbed hooks on his joints. Yeah. And that wasn't described in the first book at all. Mm. With So no. maybe it has to do with something S- like that. Some more of their, like, body modification. Yeah. Transmogrifying. <laughs> uh, Calvin and Hobbes style. <laughs> Turn the dial on, on the... <laughs> they step into a cardboard box. And they're like, yes. Turn the dial to the changing yeah, to... <laughs> they, they quickly write it on there with a marker <laughs> circle point an arrow at it genius <laughs> and then you come up with hooks on yeah his ankles his knees his elbows yeah all of his joints which is a little bit familiar to like the what was happening with the the slave race in the last mm-hmm. book they were having like coral knobbies growing off all of their hard joints right yeah Speaking of those slaves, by the way, that's where we go from here. 
Shadow Shai puts on, he, he wears a, a memory. Yeah. Of one of those uh, little reptite slaves, which it turns out they have a species name. They're called Chazrak. Because <laughs> yeah. of course they are. Because <laughs> yeah. of course these little weird lizard, lizard people are Chazrak. But he wears a Chazrak memory of the battle at Dantooine and yes. uh, all the, the brutal slaughter there. And after a couple of nasty murders of some human beings, um, this Chazrak gets stabbed and then he's afraid of the pain. So Shadow Shai whips off the hood. Ah, cause he's not gonna, he's not gonna be uh, tainted yeah. by the memory of refusing pain of not accepting pain and suffering and using it to fuel you. Right. This is very sort of Sith. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. The pain is the power. Yeah. This gets them close. But th- with, with these guys, they're like, you know what you should do though with that pain? You should absolutely force it on yourself and internalize it as a system of government for like, I don't know how many years, a thousand years. <laughs> you should actually take that idea and turn it up to a million. <laughs> so that's what these Yuzhan Vong are doing. He whips that memory hood off so fast. He's like, I will, I will never be shamed by experiencing fear of pain. So serious. And so this guy is so severe. About yes. Everything, right. Yeah. As all of these um, fanatical Yuzhan Vong. That's the are. word. Yeah. I had it. Were you thinking of that too? Yeah. Of course you were. Ah, it seemed for a second I thought maybe he was afraid of being afraid, but nope. We just can't reject pain. All is pain. He says that at one point. Like I said, Shadow's grandfather was that Bamil mummy and those two warriors were his cousins. So he's all sorts of mad at Corrin Horn. Mm-hmm. The Jedi who slayed his family and escaped and left their bodies to be eaten by rat monsters. Stares at some family relics for a while and hops into, quote, I've been waiting for this, the embrace of pain. Dude. Did you recognize? The name? That was, well, the name, yeah. Because, I mean, yeah. But did you recognize that was the, the torture rack from Bamil? That those students were on. That's the same torture rack from Belkadam that Jason was on. He yeah. hooks himself up to that thing that stretches you to, to the maximum amount of pain. Yep. The more you struggle, the more it hurts. And he leans into that. He, don't you know? He loves it. He constantly keeps just adding he's that little purposely bit. Purposely resisting the restraints so that they tighten more and bend his elbow and pop his shoulder out. And uh, his yeah. ankle, his left ankle is behind his right ear at some point. <laughs> and then there was one description where they said uh, the back of his wrist touched the back of his neck. And I just kind of sat there and I was like, I just did it. I just did it just now. That didn't hurt. <laughs> what? I mean, sh- sure. Maybe his already contorted in different directions, but just simply take the back of your wrist <laughs> and you can put it on the back of your neck. I'm yeah. quite comfortable. I'm itchy now. That's like um, trying to neck. smack your elbows together. Anyways, I just thought that made me laugh a lot mm-hmm. where I was like, that doesn't seem like it hurts, but you do you buddy. <laughs> yeah. The, the part about that specific part is because he's trying to keep an eye it's in a 
specific place where he's he can't really see his relics or where his grandpa's yeah. bones are supposed to be. Yeah, there's he's like an empty yeah, spot. Oh god. So he keeps this whole brand new thing. Yeah. Where he's got like a shrine to his family full of relics of the past that are handed down mm-hmm. generation after generation and are some sort of symbol of status. Yeah. And yeah. he when he's got his hands behind his wrist to the back of his neck like that, he actually Grabs his own hair and yanks it back, just so he, so can, that he can see the bend his neck stuff. backwards more to see, stare at the stuff while he embraces the pain. Yeah, because what he's really doing is rededicating himself to the cause, mm-hmm. the cause of saving all these infidels using death and pain. That's how he is internalizing this mission. It might have been their world, but it's ours now, and they're all going to be saved with my murdering. <laughs> Yay! What an excellent start to this book, man. A thousand times more inside Vong talk than the entire last book. Yeah. I like that he's got a family thing going on. I like that they were at the meal. But it would have been way cooler if he was present as a shadowy, not even shadowy, but a distant overseeing figure in the first book. Where all through the first book, He's getting reports of what's happening or something. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh man, he's getting madder and madder. And then at the end of the book, he's like, oh, kill these infidels. Yeah. And then we reiterate that again to start this book. Cause maybe you didn't read the first one. You picked this off the shelf or whatever. That would have been way better. Right? Yeah. Cause it, I don't know if, why that got missed. Even if it wasn't, even if he didn't get a name or anything, just put right? him in through. And then at the end, in him. the yeah. epilogue, that's when you give him his name and he's, yeah. Yeah, but it's like, oh, he, he gets the report about Yuzhan Vong dying somewhere else. He gets a report at the same time about the killing of Emil near the end of the book. And he's like, way taking it personally for some reason. Mm-hmm. Just a connect connectivity, not retroactively, proactively. We need to pro-con this stuff. <laughs> okay, that's what I want. <laughs> Great chapter, though, to start, man. Mm-hmm. How about a chapter title? Because, again... We don't have any. All right. I, my, uh, my chapter, like, memories, pain. Memories, pain. I went with, I went with all single words this week okay. to challenge myself to shut up. Bonds. Oh, hey. Hey. I like that. Layers. I was like, what if you could do layers with one word? Personal challenge. It worked that time. We'll see. It, it's, it's, it's not easy. No. Also, these people are. Freaky. Chapter 2. Luke Skywalker. Welcome to the story. Awake. Watching his wife, Mara Jade, and friend, Corrin Horn, spar testing each other's skills and their own recoveries. And we recap what happened with them. Mara has a deadly disease. There was a war. Corrin was poisoned, paralyzed, and nearly killed by some warriors on Pamil, as we said, a.k.a. Shadow Shai's cousins. There challenging each other to test their readiness for the upcoming conflict and violence. Yeah. They had to run away from the last fight. There's, there's, it's not over. Mm-hmm. Not by a long stretch. There's like 16 more books. <laughs> <laughs> this baddest war has only just begun. It's book three. So Luke Skywalker is watching these two spar and Corrin Horn does that trick we saw in the last book, which again, cool connectivity. I'm going to try and I'm going to try and focus on this as often as possible because we haven't had somebody write two books in a row. Not that we've read. Yeah. You know what I mean? This he's connecting things on purpose and that's more fun. It's interesting. 
he, I, I like the Pamil thing where Cornhorn, uh, what does he do? Right. He twists his wrist and the lightsaber goes from silver and fat to long, skinny purple. Yep. And Mara's like, ha, huh, that must've worked a time or two before. Cause he looks like confident when he does it. All this simply bat his lightsaber away, which was exactly what Cornhorn wanted. And he shuts off his lightsaber and he's like, got you. Yeah, because that would lean you, make you lean in, and then yeah. he just shuts it off, turns it back on, it, dead. It actually reminded me of I've been watching a lot of chess on YouTube and, and watching these chess masters play each other and stuff, and it reminded me exactly of that, where they're like, the, somebody takes a pawn and they're like, shake hands. <laughs> You're like, what? 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 They're <laughs> ten moves ahead, man. They already know. Ah, frick! I blew it. So that means this, 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 and then you would have had me. So shake hands, right? Which yeah. is what happens here, but. Uh, he wins by shutting off his blade and sends Luke into a really quick PTSD flashback of Obi-Wan Kenobi on the Death Star. Yep. The ultimate sacrifice, he calls it. The ultimate, excuse me, in self-sacrifice. What are we alluding to? What are we trying to set up here in book three of A Very Long War, Luke Skywalker dwelling on the ultimate self-sacrifice? Yeah. Why are we doing that? They are sparring in the Jedi headquarters on Coruscant. And I say, what's that? What is the Jedi headquarters on Coruscant? It's not the Jedi temple or else you would call it that. That was destroyed by the Empire, right? What? Yeah. I wonder, I just, out of curiosity, I wonder where they are. Obviously, they have, they have good enough relations with the government over the last, uh, well, I guess 25 years, 20 years. After destroying the second Death Star and Leia takes over. Where they're allowed access to a warehouse or something. Yeah, like maybe they've just got like (laughs) the underground fight club going on. But they're somewhere on Coruscant. Mm -hmm. And then, Tim, if you can believe this, in the middle of the Jedi headquarters on the most populated city planet in the galaxy, a dastardly villain arrives. Striding boldly through an archway came a Jedi with a black cloak billowing behind him slender and sharp featured the jedi had an incendiary gaze his upper lip curled with a hint of contempt then he smiled carefully and coldly good afternoon master skywalker kip durin has arrived what is this entrance? Why is he coming down the ramp like the Undertaker with the lights off and the bong, scary music on, yeah. black cloak billowing, snarl on his face? What was that word? Like just, yeah, like his... Curled in a hint of contempt? Why? Why? And Luke says even the how he says the word master is kind of... Somehow gives yeah. it zero respect. Mm-hmm. But wait a minute. He's a Jedi. Yeah. And like an accepted part of the team. I'm sure Kip Duran has done some bad things in his past, as many of the Jedi have without, you know, the, the greater guidance of an entire council or even more than a hundred, <laughs> more than a dozen Jedi at any given time, right? But Luke doesn't like Kip much. No. Neither does Cornhorn, Not at all. And neither does Mara. So I suppose we're not supposed to like him. Yeah, I, th- I think it's that philosophical rift again. Attackers versus protectors rhetoric does start up immediately mm-hmm. is my next note. <laughs> but what was the thing I was just saying before? Oh, 
Are we being introduced to the second bad guy of this book? The more minor antagonist? Yeah. Who's not really a bad guy, but he's going to be a problem? They definitely, that's how it reads. We started with the really bad bad guy. Right? And then this guy comes walking in the room with a black cloak blowing and everybody's like, uh, don't like him. <laughs> a rogue Jedi is the less severe bad guy. That's not three. Good. Three of the most experienced Jedi in the galaxy tell us, I don't like him. Mm-hmm. So obviously we're not supposed to like him, which means he's going to be a problem. Yeah. I I think. And so, yeah, they start right away. Kip calls. He says, everybody's ready for the war meeting. And looks like it's not a war meeting. It's a protector meeting. <laughs> we don't go to war and attack things. We help people and protect them when the danger comes to them. Here we go. Right. Just uh, and, and it's a fine. It's a fine argument to have. It's a fine difference of opinion. It makes sense among the Jedi, right? Yeah. You have this magic power. What are we supposed to do with it? Should we go looking for trouble to solve? Like Worth Skidder, right? In the mm-hmm. first book. And Kip Duren has been saying all along. And his dozen and two Avengers. Or do we go where we think trouble will be and try to help the people there avoid it? And then protect them if it comes. Difference of opinion, a difference of philosophy was a good word you yeah. said before, right? But Luke tells us that Kip and all his friends must be wrong because they grew up in a post empire era and the kids don't get it, says old man Master Luke. <laughs> yeah. Right? They just want to be the hero. They just want to be heroes who blow up the empire because they didn't get to do that. They have never lived through a war. Yeah. Not like on, not on a galactic scale. There's, they've mm-hmm. never lived through a world war. There may be little skirmishes and, and a war in Iraq or a war in Afghanistan, but you've not lived through a world war. Yep. Check the date when you're listening to this. Cause that could be different. <laughs> Any goddamn day now, Vladimir Putinum is blowing it. Yeah. Being a real Kip Durin out there. Mm-hmm. That's about as political as I'm going to get here. Yeah. But yeah, Luke Skywalker's like, hey, these kids have never been to war, and they think it's all about action heroism. And it's actually about slaughtering Chazrak slaves. Yeah. It's gross and it's dirty, and you, all I did was what I had to do. Yeah. Meanwhile, let's watch A New Hope. And how bad does this little kid want to go fly and be a hero? That's all he wants to do is go go to pilot school and join his friends in the rebellion. Yep, and it's or I mean at least he you know he dreams of going to be a hero. Yeah, and you don't and He's I'm old. sure he forgets what it's like to be. A I'm kid. sure the <laughs> stories that are told are not of the the crappy. It's he blew up the Death Star Dude. using the Force. Well, like exactly like how Star Wars is in real life. The story is, we blew up the Death Star. We saved the day. Not, we murdered a billion people on the bad guy team. Yeah. No, the story is, we blew up the machine. Hey, a lot of people in that machine. Mm-hmm. Right? And some of them are just guards with no railings, pushing buttons for a paycheck. <laughs> yeah. Ah! <laughs> They're just there to get paid and go home, take care of their kids. Oh, oh. P.S. By the way, okay. Luke throws this in there. Maybe those slaves joined the Vong willingly, out of fear. So it's totally fine when we Jedi have butchered them. Nice try, Michael. 
<laughs> not buying it. Not buying it. That sounds a lot like somebody was like, hey, you made them all do what? Why did they all just, they didn't even try to just save innocent people? Yeah. Anyways, they were too busy saving more innocent people. And I don't mean numerically. I mean of value. <laughs> they are more innocent than these slaves who, anyways, whatever, right? Early, early attempt at justifying the massacre that we just saw, which is funny coming from the guy saying, saying these kids don't get it. They've never been to war. And then he's like, yeah, but if those slaves signed up, it's their fault. <laughs> I'm sorry, but like the bad guy comes and puts the boot on your throat and he says, die or get up. Yeah. It's hard to blame that person, right? When yeah. you get up. Luke doesn't want a war. He doesn't want the Jedi to be warriors. But what happens when an absolutely unrelenting foe brings you a war like they're doing? Because that's what's happening. Yeah. So what's what's what are you going to do, Luke Skywalker? You don't want a war. You don't want to go attack and be a warrior. But the fight's not going away. So what are you going to do? Yeah. You can't constantly be sitting on your hands you can't sit on your back foot yeah against this enemy mm-hmm. they've already proven that they're just i think i already said it but relentless yeah and that's just sitting back and and, and waiting for them to come to you is not going to work they've already taken like five planets that's a lot one of them got blown up mm-hmm. they've got a lot of planets actually two one of them got smashed by a moon also but we'll get to that Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. P.S. Again. P.P.S. I guess. I have a question for you. Okay. I had this thought as I was wrapping up this chapter. I wonder if this whole book is going to end. I'm calling it right now in vague terms. I wonder if the whole book is going to end the way that sparring session did. Why else were we so focused on the ending of that sparring session and how... Like... Corin pretended to overextend himself mm-hmm. to create an opening that was actually a trap, you know, so you can invite them to a specific attack, which you can then defeat. Yeah. Right. You you make it look like you're open five hole and then you shut that down as soon as the puck goes. Cause you're like, got him. I tricked him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we're going to, we're going to give them this opportunity over here that looks like we're overextending ourselves. We've turned our purple blade long and we're just going to get our arm batted out of the way and you're going to charge in and poke me right through the heart, right? But it's going to be infinity symbol blade and handshake or something. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. going to be, it looks like we're in trouble, but really our plan was to be in trouble. Like I, I wonder if this book is going to end on like a trap like that. I think it's, Other, you know, just based on why, why are we so focused on what just happened? Because mm-hmm. uh, they spend a couple paragraphs being like this is this is what we did and this is why <laughs> yeah and i think it's gonna end with the same kind of thing trying to be set up that same kind of trap like give them an opening but they're not gonna fall for it and they're gonna actually attack this other place oh right could be a double did double flip double trap yeah double uh, agent <laughs> I don't... yeah we, we know what we mean does anybody else out there know what we mean rarely how about a chapter title recovery Fear. Protect. Didn't get layers on that one. Really. No, that was... But uh, it's all right. <laughs> Can't all be brilliant. Yeah. Chapter three. 
Not to say chapter three is not brilliant. Chapter three. Dog getting up. Jason is in his childhood home as my dog has a big loud scratch. A home that wasn't ever quite his childhood home though, eh? Because, mm-hmm. you know, those solo kids were on missions and, and sent around the galaxy and they had things to do. They had babysitters sometimes. But most of the time, he's like, I was at the academy. I was flying in the Falcon. So home is what it is. And we're talking about like these kids growing up, right? And, and becoming sort of the main characters of these stories. As this 16-year-old boy comes to his childhood house mm-hmm. and he's staring at his bedroom like oh this isn't my home anymore and i guess it kind of never really was yeah it's he's a little uncomfortable even he's having like there. that young adult process of being displaced from your childhood beginnings mm-hmm. where you like you come home as an older teenager or older adult or whatever time in your life this happens but there's a point where you go to where your parents live and you're like this isn't my house yeah and he's, he's experiencing that, and that's being put out there for us. That young adult coming of age. Anakin, meanwhile, is staring out the window, feeling somber. And Jaina is joyous. Yeah, she's, <laughs> she's so excited. She's a bright light in the force. She's so happy that she's joined Rogue Squadron. Yeah, it, it, she's so bright and so happy that she actually makes Jason smile just through her feelings. Through their twin bond, because it's twin time, baby! Yeah. They hug each other. Yes, they do. And uh, all three of the kids spend some time together. This is a nice way to kick this book off. I, like, I like, I just like the order of operations, how we're setting things up. Mm-hmm. We've, we've set out already, like, wh- how our main characters are going to line up. Yeah. <laughs> Shadow Shai is going to be our biggest focus of, of what's happening. And then we're going to have Luke and Mara, Corrin, Kip and the Jedi and that whole philosophy. And we're also going to have all these kids dealing with processing what just happened and growing up. Yeah. Jaina's uh, impressed with Wedge and Tycho too. Yeah. Because she was... She's like sitting in on war planning meetings, Yeah, and right? she's part of like weeding out the people that are too afraid, too whatever, too yeah. cocky to be part of Rogue yeah. Squadron, which a fighter pilot being too cocky, that's a little weird. <laughs> but... Sticks. They, those two were picking out the same people that weren't acceptable yeah. and no force. She's like, amazing that they can do that with the, without the force and just years of experience. Which actually reminds me of and then Anakin, Anakin and Mara's talk from the last book. Well, I was going to say Anakin actually sort of calls back to his conversation with Jason from the last book. Mm-hmm. Or, or Jason does where he's like, I guess experience can get you a long way. Spending time gathering information or, uh, or accruing um, um, uh, experiences. <laughs> experiencing experiences but, but then Anakin you know smart mouth so he's like I don't I don't think experience is going to help him lift a rock with their mind <laughs> she's like you know what I mean and they're like have this sibling interaction right yeah Anakin though is in a dark spot yeah of course he's struggling still and now he's home and probably last time you were home so was Chewbacca yep but Chewbacca's death is weighing on him heavily, man. Mm -hmm. And he wants, he's resolved to try to learn from Chewbacca's death and not like in a healthy way. Like he's obsessing over. Yeah. There was, by the time the point came to jump onto the ship, there was no way to save him. 
but what 1,000 little things did I do wrong all the way up to that point where I can blame myself a thousand times? Yeah, the what if Instead of once. Mm-hmm. What if I turn left instead of right or but, grab know, this be- guy first? We're being told he wants to try to turn that into a positive thing. And right. just as all the kids, you know, come to a, a quiet moment of reverence over Uncle Chewbacca's death, because they're like, ah, uh, ah, nobody wanted to say his name. Chewbacca, Anakin didn't want to say Chewbacca. Yeah, it was like the conversation. But we all knew what he was saying. Where you just say he. And then just then, a pale-skinned, long-haired Han Solo comes walking down the stairs into the family living room. Mm-hmm. And he says, why is it so quiet down there? Sounds... Ah, normally, Jason tells us, he would say, no, it sounds like somebody died. Whoops. That's exactly why. And that's exactly what. And this is like, this is poignant. It's harsh. Not harsh. Um, Hurtful. Like, it's just, it hurts Mm -hmm. to to watch these people live this moment. Because what have we been saying since it happened? Like, we got to spend some time sitting in this, man. It's got to matter. More than it happened and we need to move on because there's a war. There's got to be these moments of reflection. A moment where your dad goes, ah, bah, my normal jo- uh, joke, I would say here. And then everybody cries. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that's, that's a, that's a really real moment right there. Han is a bit upset that nobody wants to drink with him. <laughs> yeah. He tells 3PO, get the kids a drink. Let's go. Let's have some drinks. Let me just reiterate. The twins are 16 mm-hmm. and Anakin's 15. Different rules, laws, and cultures all over our planet, never mind the galaxy in fiction. <laughs> but he was a bit bothered that none of the teenagers wanted to get drunk with him. Yeah, let, let alone that. I don't want to drink the, myself. The rules and laws and like policies in different places. But let's let's teach my kids that drinking is a good way to get rid of pain yeah that's how we'll do it as he comes down looking like long-haired skeletor yeah he's not looking good worst he's ever looked he starts to open up about how he feels about chewbacca and then anakin speaks and jason feels a flash of anger and grief from his father that closes him right back down and if we flip to the front of the book to the dramati personae we see Jason Solo, sorry, Anakin Solo, Jason Solo, Jaina Solo, Leia Solo. You notice I skipped one? Mm-hmm. Once again, I think Han Solo is going to be staying drunk and sad at home, which is mostly just sad to not have him in the fun of the story being yeah. Han Solo, but he probably wouldn't, right? Early quick chapter check-in with all of our characters here. Where did we leave off? How's everybody feeling right now? What's going to be important? We check back in with Chewbacca's death at Cernpedal. We check in with the kids all being sad. Han's destroyed. We check in with Mara's sick and getting better. Corrin's recovered from his poisoning and paralysis. Right? Mm-hmm. Yuzhan Vong is really mad. <laughs> and he loves it. But it's a nice little, nice, nice little check-in here. Yeah, we're getting a check-in from everybody. This is one of those moments that I've been waiting for, though. For these three kids to sit down and be like, oh, man. It sucks. Yep. And they have maybe once, but like, we've been moving. We've been moving. We've been running from family vacation at Brilliant ever since like halfway through the first book. 
Mm-hmm. Right? When bouncing tie wings off of <laughs> asteroids and stuff. How about a chapter title? Excitement, guilt, anger. Well, I think I'll sum all of those up with one word, Tim. Excellent. Feeling. <laughs> <laughs> chapter four. We check in with our final main character. Because Leia Solo is in a meeting with everybody <laughs> in charge of the government. Mm-hmm. She's in there with Crefe and Failia. And Failia, by the way, he has a moment where he's speaking about people willingly joining the Vong also. Mm-hmm. Quote, some people cower and cling to the strongest force. Brought up again early on in this book. Interesting. And then I thought, wouldn't you want to be the strongest force out there and have the people cower and cling to you? But you're going to let them cower and cling to you, John Vong. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, politics, right? Wedge, as you mentioned before, and Senator Elagos are here. They settle things down when Leia and Failia start bickering and, and nail scratching at each other. Like, they just immediately start going for the throat. And everybody's like, okay, you too. That's enough. <laughs> right? What it... What does he say? Cower and cling, and then Leia says, "No, he he, he says something about how the Empire was like he was really yeah." He's mean. like, "Now you finally know what it's like to be discriminated against by your government." For all of us aliens, it was mm-hmm. hard times under the Empire. You humans wouldn't understand that. Leia says, "They blew up my planet." <laughs> His response is, and he's yeah, like, "Yeah, yeah, oh my god, gotta hear that again." We get it. Oh, we get it. Alderaan was blown up. Yeah, it's real. He's a real jerk. <laughs> it's crazy, and they just start going at it right away, hinting at the long history between these two characters, and obviously they don't like each other. And we're not supposed to like him, right? It's working because I don't. Wedge settles things down with some questions, like, "Hey, what was up with Cern Padal? Just to you know, bring that back again. Why did they? grow the giganticest slug ever there to smash a moon into that planet. If it was so easy to grow slugs big enough to use that kind of gravity, wouldn't they have it on all their ships? All the ones on their ships are smaller. Mm -hmm. They obviously put a lot of resources into whatever they were doing at CERN Why? And what? Because we don't know anything about the Yuzhan Vong. We don't know what their motives are really. They want to conquer us. Like, let's even take that as a given. Yeah. We are the galaxy. What do they want? To us. Yeah, they want it all. Why? And what are they doing at each individual stop that's furthering that goal? Why did they grow this giant moon grabber at Cernpedal? What was the purpose of that? What are they doing with that planet? The answer is, I don't know. And the New Republic plan is to set traps at planets they think the Vong will want to take next so we can figure out what they're doing and save some people. Yeah. We'll make our best gasket gask <laughs> our gaskets. Our, we'll make our best guess our as to where gaskets. they should need <laughs> to go or where they'll want to go. And hopefully they'll show up because the yeah. galaxy is huge and we can't stop them everywhere. Right. So like we got pick five. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Load up there. It's like roulette. You can't bet on every number. No. So you take your shot. If you if you bet everywhere, you lose everything. Right. <laughs> good one, man. <laughs> Seriously, that's a good metaphor for this war particularly. But 
That's the plan. That's the new Republic plan. We're going to get our forces out there. We're going to get Rogue Squadron out there. We're going to send that. What was that ship? The Rao Roost. We got Admiral Crefe here. And he's like, we're going to do stuff. Yeah. Failure says, no Jedi allowed on official New Republic business, though. Is this guy crazy? The, strong, the strongest, the most powerful resource you have in the galaxy. And he says, no. Why? Let me read it to you. The most powerful of the Jedi, your brother, was induced to leave Belkadan, abandoning an unknown number of slaves. That's a good reason. Oh, did we say that a lot? Mm-hmm. That they just kept abandoning all these people that they weren't saving? Turns out, that's bad for the public image of the Jedi, to just abandon slaves to their fate everywhere and then murder them all at Dantooine. <laughs> So the government's like, sorry, man, I don't know what you want me to do. Like, everybody hates you so much, I can't even work with you. Yep. Solid reason. And a hard point to argue with, because nobody does. By the way, (laughs) Failia also says, we want the Jedi on these missions, but we can't sanction it. It can't be official. Please go, but don't tell anybody we sent you. Yeah, just not officially. And also, if they need help, we won't be helping them. We can't be seen to help them, but we need them helping us. Thanks, Borsk. Yeah. And really get things done here, eh? He's all in it for his own power and political advancement. Meanwhile, Leia says, uh, my plan is to leave for Bastion in two days. For Bastion, Tim. She's going to the Imperial Remnant. Yes. To meet who? She's going to go talk to old Gil. She's going to meet with Gillian Pelion! The leader of the Imperial Remnant, which has been mighty quiet about the Vong for a minute. They came and helped out at Helska 4 because it was like right on the border of their territory, right? Mm-hmm. There was some Imperial ships helping out there, but they've gone quiet. Yep. We haven't heard from them in a whole book. But that's where Leia's going to go talk to the head of the Empire, which is like a win-win-win-win-win. For Borsk failure. Yeah. Best case scenario. Uh, the Imperials join and help. And Leia is a traitor. Worst case scenario. They don't help. And Leia is a traitor. Yep. And he's like, I'm rubbing his furry little paws together. I win politics. <laughs> Go ahead. Because I need the help. Mm-hmm. But I can't ask for it. I can't even uh, be seen teaming up with the Jedi. <laughs> Never mind the Empire. Yeah. Who at this point in, in galactic history is like just 20 years. 20 years is not a long time. 20 years removed from being unempired. Yeah. The power in the galaxy. Yeah. And they have still their own little section of space. Imperial Remnant coming into the story. And our favorite old Gil Pelion. <laughs> He's like the only good Imperial I know. Except for his aide. Vitor Rige. Oh, he did it. Oh, he did it. Leia thinks Elagos is going to come with her to Bastion, but it turns out he has different plans. He, as a pacifist, is going to take it upon himself to go back to Debrillion and ask the Yuzhan Vong what they want. And Leia feels dread welling in the force. So, <laughs> goodbye, guy. <laughs> This guy's dumb, right? Yeah. He's definitely going to die on purpose. Like, you must know this. He's going 
to the place you just had to escape from to talk to the psycho killers yeah, about he, why. Yeah, w- with marginal hope that he can get out of it without more fighting. He does say, like, he has a good line at the end, though, where he's like, well, if I die, if I, or if I succeed, then look, what a massive benefit. And if I die, that's just another drop in the bucket of what's to come. Mm-hmm. Which is telling us when he dies, <laughs> there's going to be much more ruin, if you will. Mm-hmm. So that's it, man. There, there's those four chapters. This is what everybody's thinking, feeling, doing right now. And the next immediate thing they're all going to do. Shadow Shai is going to murder everybody. <laughs> Luke Skywalker is going to meet with the not war council. The twins and the Anakins are going to feel bad for a minute and hang out with dad. No, like we actually, I don't know what anybody's doing next other than Leia. Yeah. Right? Leia and the Senator. We know what they're doing. Yeah. One is dying and one is going to Imperial space. <laughs> That's always fun. How about, a, how about a chapter title for our final chapter? Power Alliances. Short-sighted. Okay. Mm, take that, government. <laughs> and just like that, Tim, if you can believe it, we are off. Four chapters deep already into the 21st book of the Forever Canon Podcast. The third book of the New Jedi Order. And this book is uh, much better than the last one already because the Yuzhan Vong feel like they exist. They they are a thing and they are They were bad. so interesting in the first book and then in the second one they were just like a mush. Mm-hmm. A very deadly radioactive mold or something. Ah, nameless faceless destroyers that just wipe out everything with nameless reptite slaves. But now we're back. We got good Fillings. I don't mean feelings. I mean filling ins. Yes. It's titled Ruin, though. That can't be bad, right? Nope. We'll find out next week when we cover New Jedi Order, Book 3, Dark Tide 2, Ruin, Chapters 5 through 8. I'm Justin. I'm Tim. That's Doug. And ruin must mean something good, right? (laughs) Of course. Depends on your perspective. I think I should sign Doug off every time. (laughs) For any comments and questions, you can hit us up at forevercanonpodcast at gmail.com. Forever Canon Podcast is a Jay Plazer production. Catch us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube at Jay Plazer. Check us out.